Good morning, everyone. Uh, if you have not met me yet, I am Brian Cobley. I'm the family ministry director here and very excited to be able to preach um, our topic this morning. But before we fully begin, I want to start off by reading a verse in Luke 22, Luke chapter 22. This is Jesus speaking. Here's what he says. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So we're going to get back to this verse in this sermon, especially with the topic that we have this morning. And that topic being prayer. But not just prayer. Our topic this morning is what can we glean from the garden when we stand with Jesus as he prays? So this morning, it's all about prayer. Get ready. We're going to talk about why we need prayer. We're going to talk about maybe some obstacles that we have in prayer. Um, But most importantly, what we can learn from Jesus in prayer. Because the truth is, we need prayer. That's what Ronald Rollheiser says in his book, Sacred Fire, which is a great book. It's all about um, the different life stages that we as Christians have from when we're teenagers to our 20s to 30s. Uh, into our, all the years of our adulthood until when we are ready to meet Jesus. Sacred Fire, though, is mostly about our adult life. And that question that this book is answering is, how can I best be used by God for other people in our adulthood? And he has a whole chapter on prayer. I highly recommend this cha- this, that chapter if you don't read the whole book. But here's what he says when, in regards to prayer. He says, our adult years are a marathon, not a sprint. And so it is difficult to sustain graciousness, generosity, and patience through the tiredness, trials, and temptations that beset us through those years. All on our own, relying on willpower alone, we too often fatigue, get worn down, and compromise both our maturity and our discipleship. We need help, help from beyond, from somewhere even beyond the human supports that help bolster us. We need God's help, strength from something beyond what is human. We need prayer. You already know this, but life is short, especially when you look back on it. I don't know if you've uh, already gone, have done this recently, but gone through your phone and look at old pictures, or Facebook has remind, given you a reminder of a memory that you had, or maybe you've even looked at an old photo album. And you can look back on the years and say that life is short, and life goes by so fast. Those of us with kids, we can look at pictures of our kids when they're younger and go, where, where do the years go by? But I do believe this. As life does, when you look back on it, life does feel short. I do believe that the day-to-day and the stuff that we go through can make life feel so long. The stress, the stress and anxiety that we have, the things that go on in our life can make it feel like it is taking, as my son says, for ages. And that is what, that's where I'm at with my four-year-old right now. Um, like I told you, these last four years have flown by, even with my newborn. Like, I can't believe tomorrow she's already six weeks. But I know, right? Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, <laughs> 
But my four-year-old, he's in the stage where um, he's, he's definitely testing boundaries. Even this morning, my wife told me, and I cannot share the story, but if you want to know more about my son, please talk to me after this sermon, because what he did this morning is hilarious. <laughs> Don't tell him that, though. Um, but a lot of times, and it's almost daily now, guys, where my son is just testing boundaries. And so me, being a level-headed, not-tempered parent, tries to calmly and patiently speak to my son of what he's doing wrong. And I... <laughs> I really needed that humility today. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I'll tell my son exactly what he's doing wrong. And I'm trying to explain to him. And then he just stops looking at me. And I'm like, Kate, look, look at me in the eyes. And he'll go, Ugh. I'm like, Kate, I'm trying to explain. And before I can tell him, he goes, you're taking for ages. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, probably. So it's this moment right now. <laughs> but maybe you can relate to that. Like my son, where whatever you're going through in life right now feels like it's taking for ages. Because I think we can all agree with Ronald that life as an adult, the years of our adult feel like a marathon, not a sprint. And I think there are times when this marathon is hitting some tough terrain where it feels like time has just completely slowed down. So what stress do you have? What's going on in your life? Stress at work, stress at home? I mean, is there a cancer scare that like, you have to wait months to receive an answer? Is there a treatment that you're having that just feels like it is just taking a hit on your body? Are you struggling with a loss right now in your life? Loss of someone you love, whether that is through death or whether that is just a relationship that has come to an end. Right now, like Jesus, are you facing something that you just have no idea if you have the strength to get through it? And in fact, you just feel like quitting. Like, I don't want to do it. I can't address what is there. In our life, maybe right now, you might have disappointment, you might have hurt, you might have loneliness, you might have hatred, jealousy, obsession, or fear. Whatever it is that has entered our lives, we can find ourselves with anxiety that comes with us asking, well, what do we do? What do I do with it? And how do I keep moving forward? My answer, pray. Stop and pray. But here's the truth. That can be such a frustrating answer. Am I right? <laughs> Those of you in this room where I like said pray and you're rolling your eyes like, okay. <laughs> like why is that so frustrating? I heard a yes, you don't have to answer it. Uh, but why is that so frustrating? Maybe it could be like prayer just feels sometimes so passive. Like I need something to do. I want to be able to fix this myself. I want to do something with my hands. Like praying just feels like I, I'm, I've lost control. But I hope in this sermon you see that prayer is not passive. It actually be one of the most active things that we do. But maybe it wasn't the passive argument. Maybe the person who told you to pray, you feel like have, has no idea what you're going through. And the person who told you, maybe they don't want you to know that they don't know how to help you. So they give you the right answer that kind of feels wrong. And they tell you to pray. Like, they're like, okay, you know what? I can't deal with this. Give that to God. So even then, you're like, okay, that was a little irritating. I'm asking for help, and <laughs> you're not helping. 
But maybe it's not that. Maybe something else brought just a little bit of annoyance. Maybe it's another roadblock or another obstacle that is preventing you from really going to the Father. And I want to share some of these roadblocks, things that might be holding us back. And this, this isn't exhaustive. This is just stuff that I've heard in my life of people who have a hard time going with prayer, going to prayer. And the first roadblock that you might experience is just busyness. And you might be busy. And I'll tell you, even as the youth director here at Arbor, I see how busy the parents are, even teenagers these days. It feels like their schedule is already just jam-packed with everything that they need to do. But maybe this is your day. You wake up in the morning, and you wake up early just because you know you have to help everybody get ready. Or just maybe yourself, you, know, you might need to take a little bit more time to make you look like this. <laughs> so you wake up a little early, and as you're getting everybody ready, getting everybody fed, and then you get yourself ready, and you decided, I don't have enough time to do my hair, so I'm just working the updo today. But then you get everybody in the car, and maybe you need to get somebody to school or other people to school, or you need to get somebody there, so you make your trip, you take them there, and then you realize, now I'm stuck in traffic on my way to work. So as you're going through traffic, you're looking at your GPS, where there's Apple Maps, but I don't think anybody really likes Apple Maps, except for me. Google Maps or Waze, trying to find the alternate route to get to work faster that everybody else seems to be also taking this alternate route to get to work. And then when you finally get to work, you have all the responsibilities. It was, you already had that stress in the day of just getting to work. Now you got the stress of work. And I don't know what you guys do, and I don't know the, really the type of stress that you have, but maybe you're caring just so much for your company, so much for your business, that you just feel like it's all on your shoulders right now. But then after clocking in those eight to 12 hours, it's time to go home. And now you got traffic again. And again, going through whatever GPS to help you get home the fastest way possible. But maybe you also have to pick up your kids or pick up somebody, get them home, feed them a healthy meal. But right now it's really tempting to just order something, pizza or just McDonald's because I don't have time to cook right now. But you try. Try to give them a nice healthy meal or yourself a healthy meal. And then by the time that you are starting to unwind, there's another engagement that you might have to go to, whether it's dropping your kids off somewhere, or maybe your church has an event that you feel like you need to go to. <laughs> a lot of honesty going on in this crowd right now. And then you go to sleep to have that start all over again. And the question is, who, where amongst that busy schedule can you, have, can you find time to pray? It's a real obstacle. That's the first one I hear. Second one I hear is, I don't know how to pray. How do I pray? This can really be intimidating to some people to be able to just stop and pray. It feels like, like I, and this relates to me, it feels like I missed the class or that sermon that taught me how to do it, but it seemed like everybody else like learned. Or when the Holy Spirit was giving out gifts, that one was not given to me. So maybe some questions you have in prayer is, what words do I say? How do I say it? Is there a proper cadence? Do I look up to him? Do I bow my head down? Do I keep my eyes open? Is that awkward? Do, I, do they have to be closed? Is it selfish to ask for something for myself? Do I need to focus on other people? Can I ask for something for myself? Do I have to be thankful? Can I yell at him? How do I pray? 
And then another obstacle that I hear is God already knows. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. Why do I need to talk to him? He, are, he should already know what I'm going through. I shouldn't have to bring it to him. He can work if he wants to work. Why do I need to tell God? He should know. And the last one, maybe you just don't think it will work. Maybe you've tried before in the past. I've tried to pray. I've tried to reach out to God, and it didn't work on that last thing, so why, why is it going to work right now? Do any of these resonate with you? Have you had any of these obstacles in your life in regards to prayer? And maybe you're having them right now. Now, in this sermon, we're going to address all those obstacles while we look at the garden, while we see what we can glean from the garden as we stand with Jesus. Because I believe in both our most reflective moments when we're looking back and in our desperate moments, we need prayer. We cannot sustain ourselves all on our own. We need prayer. So let's glean. Let's glean in the garden. Luke 22, verses 39 through 46 It says, and he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may, you may not enter into temptation. So Luke begins by telling us that Jesus went to Mount Olives, and catch this, as was his custom. Your NIV will say, as usual. Jesus going off and praying in the garden was, was so common, so, something that he was such accustomed to, that in this moment, if you guys know the context, in this moment, Judas is leading soldiers to come and arrest him and have him go through a trial, have the worst beating that anybody should ever go through, and then nailed on a cross. Jesus knows that this was coming. But this was so common for Jesus to be praying on this mountain, in this garden, that it was very easy for Judas to lead a whole group to him. And it's not just common here. I think in scripture, we can see so many times where Jesus prays to his father. In Luke six twelve, right before Jesus chooses the 12 that he's gonna spend majority of his adult years or the majority of his ministry with, these three years, the men that he was going to send out to represent him well, the men that he trusted to spread the gospel, to spread his story, right before he chose them, he prayed to his father. It says, now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And then when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead in John 11, again, we see a prayer that he had to his father. He says, and they took away the stone from that place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you will always hear me. 
But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Also, if you go through, go through John 17, which we'll look at a verse in a little bit, we get to see a huge prayer of Jesus and how he talked to the Father and how important that prayer was. And we hear about a prayer that he had, the prayer that I, the verse that I first read in the sermon where he was talking to Peter and said, Simon, Simon, twice, two Simons, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith may not fall and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. What Jesus said to Peter is kind of what he's now saying to the disciples. He's, he's inviting them. He's inviting the disciples to pray, to pray with him. Jesus made time to pray to his fathers, and now he's inviting his disciples to join in with him. It says, as he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him, and when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation." Same thing he said to Simon. Pray that your faith will not fall. Pray that you may not enter temptation. Pray that you don't fall away. Now this is foreshadowing what's to come because as Jesus knows what's on his way, what's about to show up, Jesus knows these 11 men and knows that there could be a temptation for them to run away, to abandon Jesus. So he's giving them this opportunity. Pray, pray with me. Pray that you will not let whatever is on its way stop you. Stop what's happening. Pray that whatever is coming, you don't quit. You don't run. Pray that you stay strong. And we see that Jesus is inviting them to pray for their temptation. We also see, if you look at Matthew's gospel, because Luke doesn't, there's a lot of differences between Luke and the other gospels when it comes to this account. In Matthew's gospel, we see that as Jesus brought the disciples to the mountain, he actually brought three others with him, uh, Peter, James, and John, to go further away. And when he takes them away, he told them that he was, he had such anxiety uh, for what was coming that he invited them to pray with him. He says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Jesus invited them to pray. And he does the same for us. We are invited to pray. We are invited to take time out of our lives, to bring our chaos, our anxiety, our crisis, as Ronald said, our our tiredness, our trials, our temptations, whatever it is that feels like it's consuming you. Bring it to the Father. Send your petition, send your request to the Father, just like Jesus did, like he invited his disciples to do. So we can see by Jesus' words and actions how often he prayed that it should tell us that we cannot afford not to. That we should pray. We are, pray, we, we are invited to pray to not fall into temptation or that we can stand firm in our faith for whatever it is that is trying to sift us out like Jesus said Satan was doing with Peter. That's what Jesus said to Simon. Satan demands to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. Jesus singles out Peter in that moment for special attention because Satan has zeroed in on Peter, asking to take him through the process of examining and picking him off. 
Satan wished to check out what Peter is really made of. And let me ask you, have you ever felt like that before? Or maybe now that you are going through the sifting process and you have no idea if you're going to make it out. You have no idea if you're going to get through it. Pray. Make time to pray. Accept the invitation to pray, just like the disciples. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Pray that you can have the strength to get through it. And I want to give you guys some encouraging words here. That Jesus has also interceded on your behalf of what you're going through. Just like he said with Peter. Now you can say, Brian, that was for Peter. Again, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, twice. Doesn't say my name, and I would tell you, fair point. Let's take scripture literal. But now let's look at John 17, the prayer that I told you that we can see Jesus' wonderful prayer to the Father. This is where he prays for us. In speaking about the 11, here's what Jesus says. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. Now catch this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That is us. Jesus has interceded on our behalf. Keep us from that evil one. Help us get through that sifting process. So join in. Join in on that prayer. Make time to go to your Father. Make time to go to your Savior. Make time. Make it something per usual. Make it something that you're accustomed to. Make it something that everyone knows. They're praying. Go to your Savior when this world is starting to feel like a marathon that has gone through some tough terrain. Accept the invitation to pray. But how do we do it? What words do I say? Is there a proper cadence to say it? Am I allowed to ask for things for myself or is that too selfish? Is my problem just not big enough to speak to the Father? How do I pray? Because prayer can be intimidating. If that is you in this room, I promise you, I am not making fun of you. Because prayer is really intimidating. I tell you, me uh, being the youth director of Arbor Students, my leaders can pray circles around me, if that's a thing. Like when they pray, I'm like, okay, let's, let's just give you that role here, Arbor Students. You are now the prayer person here. But it's really my fault. I have a... Uh, one of, the, one of the members of our worship team as a leader, I have the leader of the prayer team uh, in our ministry, and I believe every one of my leaders have wrestled with God like Jacob did. So, you know, I have some godly men and women who are just ready to intercede on our students' behalf and just pray for what, what is happening within our leadership core. So when I hear them pray, I'm like, I, I kind of feel like I don't want to step into the ring with them. Like, let's just... Give them that role. They're beautiful at it. But here's the truth. That's my insecurities keeping me from speaking to the Father. And there is nothing more than, what, than, than that that Satan wants, is to keep me from talking to my Father. So he's just letting my insecurities just flow through. But I'm, I don't want that. And I don't want that for us. 
So let's talk about it this morning. How should we pray? What should we do? Luckily, in this garden, Jesus models it for us. Jesus models in the garden how we should pray. It says, and he withdrew for them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Another difference that we have between Luke's account and Matthew's account is that Luke only records this prayer once. If you read Matthew, we see that he prayed this three times. But in all the accounts, we see three things that we can model our prayer life after when it comes to Jesus, what we can glean from. That Jesus was honest, specific, and humble. And the first two being that Jesus was honest and specific. Because we really see this. We really see Jesus' humanity here in the garden. Like I told you, he is facing his death. Jesus knows what's about to show up. And he was experiencing such anxiety, such pain from this moment. And I'll tell you guys, what Jesus is about to experience, if you've not heard this fact before, Jesus' crucifixion, that was so unethically immoral. I think that's the proper way to say that. It was so awful that the Romans who invented crucifixion had a law that their own citizens couldn't die by crucifixion. So that's what Jesus is about to enter. But even before that moment, he is about to be mistreated. He's about to be beaten to the point of death. And he's about to get betrayed by one of the 12 men that he prayed for. And so he's experiencing all of this. And he's going to the Father with pure honesty and being specific, saying, Father, if it is possible, remove this cup from me. Remove this cup from me. And again, like I told you guys before, he was so honest with his disciples. He said that my soul is very sorrowful, even to the point of death. Have you had this moment in your life where, you've, where you are about to walk into a space that you just don't know I, 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 if, I can, if I can do it? Was there like a huge mistake at work that you're like, I don't want to go back there tomorrow? Be better if I maybe just quit, look on Indeed for a new job. Or maybe at work, you have a tough situation where maybe you need to let people go. That you need to fire somebody and knowing that, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake up a family today. And you just don't know if you can do it. Or have you had this situation where you had a loved one in a hospital and you know they weren't going to make it and you told yourself, I just, I don't have the strength. I don't think I can see them that way. I can't enter that space. I can't enter that room. Or maybe you have a tough conversation with your spouse or someone you love, someone you care about, and you need to confess something. And up to this point, you've kind of just been bearing it down. But I can't, I can't address it. Jesus is about to walk in to the hardest thing that anybody should ever walk through. This brutal death, this brutal treatment. And as was his custom, prayed to his father. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Such an honest and specific prayer. Now this metaphor cup in the Old Testament was used for disaster, which usually happens with God's judgment. And when Jesus is saying, "His father, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. Are these people worth it? They've been mistreating me. They, they, don't, they haven't really accepted me. They're just here to see my miracles. Remove this cup 
from me. He told the father exactly what he wanted. I don't want to do this. I cannot walk into this space. I cannot address what is coming. I cannot do this. But not my will. Yours. That's the third one. Jesus was humble. Absolutely humble. And what a prayer. I don't want to do this, Lord. It's too difficult. I don't have the strength to do it. I don't want to do it. Remove this burden from me. Do something different. But that is my will, God. I want yours. Your will be done. Whatever it is, I will follow. So how do we pray? Just follow Jesus' model. Be honest, specific, and humble in prayer. There's no magic words when it comes to prayer. And you not need to sound intelligent or put together. You don't need to try and address God like you know what God wants to hear, like he's some dignitary figure. We can be raw. We can be unfiltered especially when our distress is such that we just want to quit whatever it is that we're about to face, whatever it is that we're about to walk into. So in your prayer life, tell God what is on your heart and your mind. Tell him what it is that is so difficult. Tell him what is causing you such anxiety, like that we see in Jesus where his anxiety is so much that he's sweating like drops of blood. So in your prayer, be honest. Be honest with how you're feeling. Be specific in your request, but also be humble. Because as we know, God did his will. That cup was not removed from Jesus. Jesus still walked into his rest. He still walked in to that gruesome beating that could have ended his life at any point, but then still asked to carry, not asked, hold, to carry that cross to where he would eventually die. But see, that was God's will, so salvation is for all. So every one of us in this room have the opportunity to spend eternity with Jesus. That plan was way too important to just let Jesus quit. His will was done. It was too important. And God could be saying the same thing to you in your prayer life, that his will must be done. You must continue. The story is too important to not keep going. So then why pray? If God already knows, why pray? If he's just going to do what he wants, why waste our time with a request that is just going to be ignored? It is not a waste. And your prayer is never ignored. Just because God's will was, was done when it came to Jesus' request doesn't mean that Jesus was ignored. Because in this, we see that Jesus received help and strength to keep going, which is why we should pray. Because help comes through prayer. Once more, looking back at uh, what Jesus said to Peter when he said, Simon, Simon, Satan wants you. Satan wants to sift you. Jesus said, I pray that your faith will not fail. He didn't say, I pray that this doesn't happen. I pray that Satan stays away from you. He says, I pray that your faith will not fail. You're gonna go through it. You're gonna go through the testing. Stay strong, keep going. 
He prayed for strength, and we see in this garden, but that, that is what God gave him. It said, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. See, this is important because this angelic appearance is, is, is a sign from heaven that they're willing to stand with Jesus as he continues with the plan, as he continues with God's will. God's will is to continue with what must be done, but you will get help. Here's an honest question. I don't really have the answer. I have my opinion. But my question is, if Jesus didn't pray this prayer, would he still have received that strength from God? Would that angel have still showed up? And I, I actually don't think so. I think here we get a huge example of Jesus' humanity just showing out. And God's like, I need to show up. I need to show up. I need to help him. I need to help him keep going. I really think if this prayer didn't happen, the strength wouldn't happen. I believe that if, you, if we don't get in the habit of praying, then we can't get the strength that is so available for us if we choose to do it. You see, Jesus, he didn't get what he wanted, but he received what he needed. So this is why you should pray. Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that's making life feel like a marathon, let God know so maybe you can get what you need. Strength to keep moving forward. Pray for what you want. Receive what you need in that moment. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. But I wanna read that quote one more time from Ronald in, from the book Sacred Fire. And after hearing this sermon, I really want to see, do you relate to this quote? It says, our adult years are a marathon, not a sprint. And so it is difficult to sustain graciousness, generosity, and patience. How is your patience level right now? Through the tiredness, trials, and temptations that beset us through those years. All on our own, relying on willpower alone, we too often fatigue, get worn down, and compromise both our maturity and our discipleship. We need help from beyond, from somewhere, even beyond the human supports that help bolster us. We need God's help, strength, from something beyond what is human. We need prayer. We need prayer. So church, we're invited to pray honest, specific, and humble prayers. Humble prayers. We have the opportunity to bring our request, to petition to God, and maybe be able to receive strength for what we need to do. So I'm going to ask you this. Are you accepting this invitation? Or are you sleeping on it like the disciples? The disciples, if you notice in that story, they were invited to pray. Invited to pray to not fall into temptation, and they fell asleep. But we do see that they fell asleep because they were full of sorrow. And I think we can all relate to that to where whatever we're going through is bringing just so much stress that it's just, it just feels better to just go to sleep. Maybe tomorrow is a better day. But don't sleep on this prayer. Don't sleep on prayer. Keep praying. Keep being honest. Keep being specific. Keep being humble. So here's what we're gonna do. I wanna give you the opportunity for a few minutes here to bring whatever it is you're going through or whatever it is that you know somebody's going through to the Lord. You have a few minutes of just praying to God because here's what I don't want. 
I don't want Satan to sift you as soon as we get out of this sanctuary. I want what we have heard, what we have learned in this moment, I want us to put it to action. So in this moment, bring it to God. Be honest, be specific, and be humble, and get your hands ready for maybe some strength to keep going. Let's pray.